Hello, and welcome back to the Court Sense Podcast, and welcome to the official start of the 2020-21 college basketball season. It's been a long time coming since last season's conference tournaments and the NCAA tournament were summarily canceled due to the coronavirus threat, and it's a long way to go to make this season a viable enterprise amid surging cases everywhere. While many of the country's 357 Division I programs get underway right now, 30 men's hoops games set for today have been postponed or outright canceled. It's going to be a delicate dance from here until March or beyond, no doubt about it. That includes the Big West and especially member Hawaii, which faces traveling challenges that no other team has. While four Big West men's teams are supposed to get in action today, neither the UH men nor the UH women's teams have posted a single non-conference game on their website, although there is still an expectation, or at least a hope, that they will play a handful of games prior to their Big West openers slated for December 27th. So, I thought, who better to analyze the situation than college hoops analyst Richie Schuler? He's a former college coach who got his start as a broadcaster with the Big West in 2013 and has seen his scope expanded to the entire Western U.S. on ESPN. He still knows the Big West inside and out, blending his knowledge of the game with an irreverent sense of humor that's added some much-needed entertainment to late-night college hoops broadcasts. <laughs> I know we could use that right now more than ever. So, here we go. Check out Mike and Kara at Nokaoi Automotive in Kalihi for all your vehicle repairs and maintenance needs. Quick turnaround, affordable, honest, and ASE certified. Call or text 842-6453 to schedule an appointment today. That's 842-MIKE or email nokaoiauto at gmail.com. The best part? Mention the Court Sense podcast for a 10% discount. All right, today it is my pleasure and honor to be joined by Richie Schuler, who has been a longtime college basketball analyst and broadcaster for ESPN, uh, as well as uh, some other networks. He has just made himself a name in the college basketball analyst world, especially on the West Coast. He's done a lot of Big West, Mountain West, West Coast conference games. Richie Schuler, welcome to the Court Sense podcast. Really appreciate you having me. I'm glad you're actually having a podcast. This is uh, this is exciting to be a part of. Hey, man, it's it's my one and only chance to uh, kind of catch up with guys like you that I would see around the uh, you know the the Big West circuit for a number of years there, and uh, especially right now with how zany and crazy this college basketball world has been since last March when when everything went haywire because of COVID, and to this day is is still kind of a mess man so um Richie first up I mean what have you been up to since the aforementioned March everything going sideways and and uh how's life been since yeah first of all I'll say we we miss you on the big west circuit I miss seeing your face uh covering Hawaii basketball uh but it has been a crazy eight months has it not uh you know we were supposed to have a the conference tournament got canceled when I arrived at the arena uh, back in March. And since that point in time, uh, obviously we haven't had any games. So it's been a little bit crazy. So I've been spending my time uh, trying to better myself, not so much as an analyst, but bettering myself from an X and O coaching standpoint. Uh, I run a company called PhD hoops. You can check it out, phdhoops.com, And it serves both players and coaches. So we spend a lot of time in the off season doing 
right here, Zoom coaches roundtable, sometimes with 60, 70 coaches in a roundtable, uh, picking each other's brains. We did that weekly for about three or four months, uh, four months, I believe. Uh, but then on top of that, just been uh, spending a lot of time, um, you know, just got married a couple months ago. So yes, uh, spending time with that and, and just trying to get my, my life organized before we're back, we're back to chaos this season. And well, uh, on the subject of your PhD hoops, I mean, you are a former uh, head coach yourself. You kind of worked up your way up from the, the graduate assistant ranks at Austin P. Uh, a couple of year, year or two out of your playing days at Evansville in, in the uh, Missouri Valley Conference. You became a head coach at uh, St. Andrews University in North Carolina. Uh, I think a good decade there, right? You were a coach and uh, have since kind of transitioned into this, this broadcast realm. So uh, how would you to kind of describe that, that whole journey? It's been awesome, actually. You know, I, I've always been a guy since I was 10 years old that just loved the game of basketball. I never set my mind to being just a basketball coach or being my, I set my mind to being a basketball analyst. I just wanted to be around the game. And so if you're not playing, the next best thing to do is to coach. If you're not coaching, the next best thing is to be an analyst. And uh, I wish I could do all three at the same time, but I'm a little washed up from a basketball playing standpoint. And uh, you can't coach and analyze at the same time. But it's been awesome, man. Ten years of coaching, you're right, was a head coach for a few years, Division Two, And the great thing about it is that I was able to uh, coach really at all three NCAA levels. So I got a real feel for what college sports is like, not just Division One that everybody sees on TV, but also small college ball, and they're, they're in the middle as well. And I think that helped me really understand the game from a, uh, from a different perspective than just people who just watch it on TV, and they think all college athletic programs are you know in that limelight because really just a small percentage of them actually are and i would add to your previous point about if you can't be a coach be an analyst well i would say if you can't be an analyst be a podcaster so <laughs> here i am you know yes but, <laughs> that's all <laughs> uh, hey richie i mean you mentioned being there for the big west tournament uh the, the game day for the quarterfinals right um probably preparing for a broadcast can, can you kind of just bring us back to that day or that morning and, and what happened well, you know this as a guy who has covered many conference tournaments. It is uh, much more than just showing up and working that day. I had four games that day. I was covering every men's game that day, and I had done that the previous year as well. It's intense, back-to-back-to-back-to-back uh, to back to back to back games. So you better have eight teams prepared for. And not just those eight teams you're prepared for. You know, you have all these things that you want to say on each team, and you know – the tendencies of every team, but then you got to start thinking matchups between those two teams that are playing each other. And uh, that's, that's the fun part. You know, you get to analyze, you know, how is this matchup going to be on the court? You know, how is this team going to play against this unique style of defense or vice versa? Uh, it was intense, but then showing up that day, knowing I knew that morning, I knew because there was another conference tournament that had gotten, I think canceled that morning of, or the night before, and I knew going in, I'm like, I even called the producer. I'm like, are we going to have a tournament? They're like, well, we don't know. So just come on in. It's about an hour drive for me coming from California to Orange County. And halfway down, it got canceled. And uh, I, I just called them and I said, look, or they called me and said, yep, it got canceled. I'm like, man. I said, well, I'm going to come down and say goodbye and help you guys tear everything down because it's the last time I'm going to see you until next year. <laughs> That's brutal, man. Um, well, Richie, we're recording this on Monday. Tentative plan right now is to have this come out on Wednesday. The the First official day of the revamped college basketball season. It was originally supposed to start, I think, November 11th, if I'm not, not mistake, mistaken. Maybe plus or minus yeah. a day there. Yeah, a couple of days there. Yeah. And it was reset to November 25th. And 
even now, I mean, we're seeing all these programs, you know, 357 division one college basketball programs come out with these patchwork schedules uh, one by one, maybe a third haven't even put out their revised schedule at all yet. And that would include Hawaii. Um, even these blue blood programs are having to delay, postpone back out of these multi-team events just on the, this morning, there are a n- number of those kind of, you know, headlines happening. How, how are you keeping track of just the, the daily what's happening right now with all of this? To be honest with you, I, I'm, I'm just not worrying about it. Uh, it's just, we're in a world of chaos right now. Uh, we, we really don't know what's going to happen. I don't stress myself over it. I decided about a month and a half ago doing work with ESPN that there's a good chance I'm going to get very few games this year. And I'm not going to be upset about it. We had a Zoom, I want to say it was a week ago today, uh, with all kinds of ESPN broadcasters on there, producers. And one of the, the big dogs over there at ESPN said, hey, you know, don't, don't continue hitting up your coordinating producer if you are, because he or she doesn't know what's going on. Everything is changing for us every 10 minutes. So just stay patient. When we know we can have games, we'll let you know. Uh, and everything seemed cool until the last couple of days. And now I'm looking at an email as we speak that just came in an hour ago with eight, nine games that have been canceled uh, for uh, starting on Wednesday, which is two days from now. So people have their flights prepared, their hotels. Some people have already gone to town to prepare for the game, wherever that city is at Duke or wherever. And uh, you know, it's, it's all canceled now. So uh, there's ta- they're talking about at home kits that they're going to be mailing to us uh, for a lot of us. Uh, that we can just call the games from our living rooms. Wow. Uh, but that's not going to be the same feel, that's for sure. <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, I, I know certain broadcasts have done from remote studio, uh, right, in, in the past when, yep. when necessary, instead of being on site. I mean, well, I mean, doing it from your, from your living room would, would just, I guess, take that to the, the, I mean, the next phase of, the, I guess, the logical conclusion of, of remote broadcasting, but, but still, wow. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, some of the specific headlines, Rishi, you know, there have been, I think, six major call, major conference head coaches that have tested COVID positive just in the last few days or weeks. I mean, you're talking like Rick Barnes, Tom Izzo, Jim Beheim, Kermit Davis, Kyle Smith at Washington State. You know, it's 40 teams or more have paused all their basketball activities. Ivy League's not playing at all. Big West women's side, Cal State Northridge, decided they're not going to play at all for the, the right. 2021 season. Um, and then you got Rick Pitino on Twitter. Uh, you know, he's now at Iona College. He just put out the call to postpone the season until March and have, quote unquote, May madness. I don't, I don't know if you saw his tweet, but that, that's what he did, I think, maybe yesterday or something. So what, what do you I think of that, that specific idea? Well, it was thrown out there last year. When March madness got canceled, everybody was like, canceled? I remember COVID was brand new at the time. And dealing with it was unknown. We hadn't dealt with it yet canceled. Why can't we push it back a couple months? Maybe we can get things under control. Well, you know, the experts didn't think that was possible, but I think coach Patino, I think putting that out there uh, is a great thought. Uh, Like I said, I've told to many people, I think we're going to have a beginning of the season. I think we're going to have an end of a season. We will have a national championship in division one men's basketball. Don't know what the middle of the season looks like. So I think what coach Patino is saying is, Hey, let's push back the start of season. And, uh, and we'll finish it up in May. I think probably what the NCAA is thinking is, uh, you know, let's just keep it as is. And if we have to push it back, we will. But there's a lot of programs and teams that are going to be okay to start playing right now. We don't need to push it all the way back. Um, 
So it might just be an extended long season. I mean, what was the NBA season? Like 13 months, yeah. 12 months, something like that. It might be something like that, but not, I don't think it'll quite be that long. I, I think May Madness is a great idea. I mean, what we saw last year, and they're expecting it to be really ugly this winter in areas where it's cold, which is most of the country. Um, it might be ugly. COVID may be ugly. I, I think it's a serious, scary thing for just our citizens of our country and all across the world. But, um, you know, we got to do it safe for the world. But at the same time, we want to continue playing sports. But it, it's going to be ugly. It wouldn't surprise me if May Madness happened. Um, we'll just see what happens. I think we just can't stress about it. We got to let the experts decide what they're going to do. And we just got to cover it. That's, that's kind of the mentality that I have taken now. One thing, Richie, I think that looks pretty certain is that there will at least eventually be an NCAA tournament this year. I mean, the, you know, the almighty dollar has its, has its beck and call, right. And, and the NCAA requires the revenue it generates from the NCAA tournament with its, the lucrative TV contract and all that to, you know, support itself to, you know, fund all its various, you know, wings and, and operations. So I, I think you're right. I mean, it, it's just a matter of, of when and not if, I, I think that's fair to say. But in the meantime, like you said, the, the, the in-between could be pretty messy, my friend. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. I, I'm just like as a quick aside, like Auburn announced it's self-imposing a, a postseason ban, you know, Bruce Pearl and Auburn. I think that was a repercussion of the, the FBI probe from, a couple years ago and I mean what do you think that was a tactical move because they're not expecting there to be much of a a season at all or or did they just have to get that out of the way well I think everybody has a little motivation in their opinion I mean I bet you coach Patino may have said that because maybe his team's not very good this year and you know it wouldn't hurt to push back the season a little bit where he can prepare his brand new team that he's trying to rebuild uh and then you know Auburn, they got a really good recruit coming in next year. They have some outstanding players already on the roster. If this year doesn't count for anything from an eligibility standpoint, go ahead and slap that postseason ban on because right. this season doesn't count anyway. Uh, and then the NCAA, yeah, you're right, the almighty dollar. I mean, the NCAA brings in, what is it, like $380 million a year? And what people don't understand is the NCAA funds 98 99% of other sports. I mean, I'm sorry, the NCAA tournament. The mm -hmm. college men's basketball tournament funds 98, 99% of the money the NCAA gives to these other sports for their championships and for their, for their ability to function. So the NCAA can't lose out on that money again. So we all have motivation and what we want to have happen. And I think, I think you're right on point I, about, about those things. Richie in the big West schedule wise right now, it's, it's a little bit of a mixed bag. I mean, you've got some of the, the, the teams with a fairly robust five to seven game non-conference schedule announced. It's like officially up on their website. Other teams have a few games. I think Irvine's kind of in the middle of, of that, uh, you know, range. And then you've got like Hawaii that has none of the, the revised schedule posted at the moment. Although I think Alcorn State lists a December 13 game at the Stan Sheriff Center on, on their website. So, uh, I mean, you got kind of the full range there just in the Big West. Um, what do you think some of these, you know, for talking Big West specifically, non-conference could look like? It, I don't know. <laughs> it is a, it's a mixed bag. Um, you know, California where most of the, I think all of the big West teams are in California, except for Hawaii. Except for Hawaii yeah. yeah. So it, it's California has done a pretty good job of, uh, you know, closing things down, being some of the, one of the first States to do that. Hawaii has done a fantastic job of keeping the virus out of the Island. Pretty good. Right. 
It's uh, reasonably good. Yeah. Reasonably steady. Good, it's yeah. been steady. So I, I think you, you might see more games from schools in California than you do in maybe other parts of the country, just because they feel safer based on the actions that they took early on. Now the numbers might be higher in California because there's more people in California than most States. Um, maybe all States. I'm not sure which, which State's the most populated, but no, I, I don't know it. the answer. California. Is it? Yeah. Yep. I, I don't know the answer. Um, you know, I think the NCAA did a good thing in saying that these games don't count. Well, they count towards records, right? They count towards coaches' records and whatnot, but doesn't count towards your eligibility if you play in any games. The Big West did a good job of saying, hey, if you have to miss games, at least in conference play, uh, you, won't, you won't make those games up. It's just if it's because of COVID, you just won't make it up. So I think the real disadvantage is for Big West teams and other schools around the, the country are if, if you miss games, you're not preparing yourself for conference play, which is more than likely going to happen. And I think that's the big disadvantage. So I don't know what's going to happen. I just know that, you know, it's unfortunate. And, and Hawaii has, in a, in a, has exceptional challenges compared to teams that are already here in California that can just bust to each other's school. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys have some serious challenges where I'm not so sure how many games you're going to get, but I know the less games you get, the less prepared you are for conference and conference is all that matters to most coaches. Well, that now 20 game conference schedule for the big West with the addition of Cal state, uh, Bakersfield and UC San Diego, although them being a transitional D one member, but it's still a, a 20 game conference slate essentially, uh, begins, I believe on December 27th, Richie. So, you know, there is a, a bit of a window, uh, roughly a month for, maybe some kind of, even for Hawaii, some kind of patchwork schedule, whether it's with the local D2s, teams like Hawaii Pacific, um, you know, UH Hilo, uh, Chaminade. We'll see what happens there. But uh, taking COVID aside for just a little while here, Richie, you know, let's say everything goes perfectly. Uh, your, what your, uh, excuse me, what would be your outlook for the Big West as a conference uh, this year? I mean, we had the, the media preseason poll come out, um, you know, a week or two ago. UC Irvine, probably as expected, picked to, to win the league. They've won five of the last seven uh, Big West titles, regular season-wise. And uh, UC Santa Barbara had some first-place votes there right behind them. UC Davis, with the, their freshman of the year, Ezra Magnon, coming back, was picked third, and then Hawaii fourth. So um, what's your, your feeling in general of this, um, you know, kind of all things being equal, COVID out of the equation, what that looks like right now? You know, it's hard for me to root against – root's not the right word, but vote against UC Irvine. I mean, they've won the Big West regular season title five of the last seven years. In one of those other years, they won the conference tournament. Um, so I think UC Irvine always has the edge. You know, Coach Russell Turner is an outstanding coach. Uh, UC Irvine's incredibly fortunate to still have him at their school. Um, he's had opportunities, and things didn't work out for various reasons. But um, – you know, they've graduated four starters. UC Irvine has lost four starters that graduated and only one starter returning. Now they do have probably the, uh, well, the preseason player of the year, I believe is Colin Velp, if I'm not mistaken, from UC Irvine. Mm-hmm. He's the one that they selected, I believe. But, I mean, he was a first-teamer as a six-man last year. He was the best six-man as well. So he doesn't count as a starter, but, you know, he's going to get starter minutes. He's going to play starter this year. So their front court, both – both uh, Colin Velp at 6'9", and can really knock down threes, as sitting there next to Brad Green, who plays center down inside. I mean, they're really good inside, but they don't, they don't have, you know, a ton of starters back. Or on the flip side, UC Santa Barbara, 
they got four starters returning. So even though UC Irvine was ranked uh, picked to win because that's what they're used to doing, even years that we have this thought that no way UC Irvine is going to win this year, they win it. So media members said, let's pick them first because they always prove us wrong even when we don't think they're going to win. But UC Santa Barbara has been knocking on the door. Uh, head coach has been there, I think, three years now, Joe Pasternak. He's turned it around. He's got four starters coming back. And on top of that, he has three transfers coming in. So you know, we got a transfer from Pacific. Uh, one from Jacksonville down in Florida, and then uh, an Oregon transfer uh, via junior college. So he has talent. Now, can he put that talent together? Because when you bring in these transfers and combine them with guys that have been playing a lot of minutes, sometimes that doesn't go very well. Be a but if volatile. he can do it, yeah, yeah. If he can do it, then he's a wizard. But I would say it's got to be a two, two-horse race. But I'm going to tell you this, Jim Less at UC Davis, uh, his MO is to uh, rebuild – and then go and win another championship. That's what he does. He does it every few years, and he's great at it. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, Jim Les, I mean, that's a guy that I very much learned to respect, you know, covering the Hawaii basketball beat as somebody who would really get the most, I think, out of his roster, even if it wasn't the most talented in the conference or, or maybe even, you know, somewhere in the middle of the pack talent-wise, they, they would always be competitive, no doubt about it. Um, High yeah. academic school like UC Davis, I mean, mm-hmm. to, to bring in the talent he has, that have, those guys have to have good grades. His pool yeah. of candidates to recruit is much smaller than most teams, and he finds a way to do more with less. He's an outstanding coach. Definitely, definitely. Um, and then, you know, you got the, some of the middle-of-the-pack teams, Richie, maybe like, like Hawaii, maybe UC Riverside, you know, showed some improvement last year. New head coach now, um, yeah. Mike Magpio taking over there, uh, as well as maybe teams like Long Beach could be somewhere in the middle. Uh, on paper, um, Cal State Northridge lost a lot. I know I heard you guys on the Big West pregame show talking about maybe it was uh, your your broadcast buddy Trent Rush talking how they might be a surprise team in the conference. Um, right. So, what do you kind of see? Maybe some of the company Hawaii might have on paper right now. Well, Hawaii was that next team that I was going to talk about. Um, you know, UC Irvine, UC Santa Barbara, I think are the head of the class. UC Davis is probably right there behind them, but Hawaii is not far off. And I know I'm looking at the media poll results, but these were my thoughts anyway. Uh, you know, the great thing, Iran Gannat has done a great job, in my opinion, of stabilizing the program. I know he had a lot of talent when he came in, the year they won a game in the NCAA tournament. But let's not forget that the previous coaching staff did some illegal recruiting activity to maybe get some of those players. And what I appreciate from Iran Gannat is it seems like he is above board. He does things the right way. Uh, his schemes offensively and defensively give teams problems year in, year out. And it's just unfortunate that they lost two guys to transfer. Uh, the way the NCAA is working now, it's like everybody's transferring. It's like the cool thing to do now. But losing Drew Bugs was a major hit. And yeah. you can't really blame the coaching staff for that. It's just incredibly unfortunate. You know, at the same time, they probably want Drew to be happy. They want what's best for him. But they also want him in a Rainbow Warriors uniform if possible. Um, but then also Dawson Carper transferring to Missouri State. That's another huge loss. So Hawaii losing four starters, you know, Eddie Stansberry and Zygmars Rimo being the other two, it's a huge loss. So I think there's a lot of pressure on Samuda Avea to, to really, um, you know, be that team's lone starter uh, that comes back. And um, he's been there with the program the entire time. I believe he's a local guy too, right? He's from the he state. Is. Yep, grew up on the I, North I think, Shore. He's got a lot of pressure on him. But, um, look, everybody around the league highly respects Coach Gannat, and they know no matter what their roster looks like, 
his schemes offensively and defensively are some of the best in the league. Yeah, they, they will have a, probably the most overhauled roster from one season to the next in Aranganats now, six years going into his sixth year uh, at Manoa. And um, shoot, it's <laughs> you're talking about guys. You said Sumuta Abea, he's going to have to shoulder a lot, I think, in my opinion. And um, you, yeah. you do have these a couple of D1 transfers. I mean, you got Kazdan Jardine uh, from Utah Valley, who, who definitely could have some promise there. James John Marie. Uh, from San Diego, as well as Noel Coleman from San Diego. So they could be leaning on some of those D1 transfers who are all eligible right away. And um, another kid from uh, junior college, Jovan McClanahan, could have an outsized role in the backcourt. That's, as you as you alluded to, Richie, I mean, losing Drew Bugs is a major hit. I mean, he was a, re- a true team leader, especially the last two years. I- I'm really curious to see how they will kind of, you know, if not replicate, then um, – you know, get creative with what they lost in that, in that spot. Because um, as we know, I mean, point guard sets the tone for your team. And yeah. if that guy's an experienced team leading point guard, that's, that's a lot to replace. So I'll be definitely, definitely curious to see how they go about doing that. Um, yeah. You got that six, six guard coming in too, right? The, uh, is it beyond Riley? Beyond Riley. Yeah. He's, you know, he's going to be a true freshman, but I think he's got some ball handling prowess and, and as you, you know, six six. That's nothing to sneeze at uh, in the yeah. backcourt, especially in the Big West. It's not the the biggest conference out there as far as its guards go. So, um, yeah. kid kid like him and um, the Wally Bales from Australia. Th- there's there's potential, I think, for a lot of these guys to to make a name for themselves in the early going because it it is truly a clean slate. You know, a blank canvas for them to to um, you know show what they can do. So. Yeah. Um, are there any other dark horse candidates in the Big West, Richie, that, that you see from from those teams that haven't been really mentioned yet? You mentioned UC Riverside with a coaching change. Mike McPio, he's got two really good post players that uh, that are only good if you have good guards. You know, I learned that when I was a head coach. I had a great post, probably the best post in the league, and I had a it wasn't very good in the point guard spot, so we struggled. Uh, but you know, we'll see how he can do in his first season. It's an adjustment being a head coach for the first time, but he's got some horses. Long Beach State just practiced in their arena for the first time last week. Uh, city of Long Beach, I think, wasn't allowing it, or, or maybe it was the president. I'm not sure, but they couldn't get in there, so it's a little behind. Here's my dark horse, CSU Bakersfield. Oh, interesting. CSU Bakersfield, I think. Nobody knows anything about him, right? I don't. It's, exactly. <laughs> so it's kind of like – when you have a brand-new quarterback in the NFL, just look at RG3. Remember when RG3 joined the Redskins, and he was unbelievable his first year. Second year, everybody knew how to play against him, how to, go, how to defend and how to keep RG3 in check. Now, he got hurt a lot, so that, that's part of it, but he wasn't such a surprise. Well, a team like CSU Bakersfield that's coming into the league as a team that likes to get up and down. They want to press you. They want to play fast. Uh, I, I think that, you know, we're, we're in for a treat watching CSU Bakersfield. I think they're going to bring a sense of excitement to the league that we don't really have right now. Uh, and, you know, they got an incredibly experienced coach, uh, but they, they got three starters returning. I'm sorry, four starters returning on that roster, I believe. Uh, and they got a great player in Taysmore Sr., who I think is the player to watch off their roster. Now another guy named DeMonte Buckingham. So they have excellent guards, guards slash forwards that can all handle the ball. Uh, I just think they're going to be really fun to watch. Nobody really knows much about them unless you play them in non-conference. And I just think that if you have a niche like that, if you have a, an offense or a defense that teams only prepare for in your league twice a year, the two times they play you, 
but never else, you got yourself a niche and you have a way to beat teams. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they finished in the top half of the league. What kind of noise do you think UC San Diego can make as their first year as a you know transitional D1? I know they got a lot of punch back from, from I think, a team that was rated and ranked in the top four in the D2 ranks last year, something like that, maybe yep. number three in the country, if memory serves. And uh, possibly, I think, their player of the year coming into the Big West. Um, yep, Tyrell so Roberts. What kind of noise do you think those guys could make? Well – I, I, again, another another program with an excellent coach. I mean, they've done a great job over there, won a lot of games in Division II. Uh, I mean, coaching is coaching. You just got to have the horses in the barn to be competitive with that coaching. So, you know, no question that they have a winning culture. I don't know if they've had a losing season in five, ten years. I have to do some research on that. But they've been really, really good. I mean, this past season they were 30-1. and one. They were the number one seed going into the Division II tournament. Good chance they would have won the national championship. They're no slouches. Now, they have a great, great player in Tyrell Roberts Jr. If he plays, and I've heard whispers and I've heard rumors, but you never know what to believe. If he's in uniform this year, UC San Diego, I think, will be a team that might play spoiler towards season's end. You know, I mean, Tyrell Roberts is a guy that can play and compete on any Division I roster in the Big West. Uh, but do I think that they're going to – Win a ton of games? Probably not. They're probably going to be under 500. But I think as the, as the season goes on, great coaches and great teams get better as the season progresses. You know, if you play a team in January and then you play them again in late February, early March, second time in the conference, uh, and they're not improved, well, that's, that's a sign of bad coaching. <laughs> or maybe you've had some serious injuries to your roster or something. But as a team improves throughout the season, that's a good sign. And this coaching staff will do that. I just think UC San Diego, even though they can't win, I mean, they can't even go to the conference tournament for four years, right? They're in that purgatory right. yep. transitional time. Uh, but I just think they can play spoiler. Like, let's suppose it's, you know, it's UC Irvine and UC Davis down the stretch, and it comes down to a couple games and who's going to win the regular season. I can see UC, UC San Diego knocking off one of those teams uh, down the stretch and surprising some people. So uh, those are my two dark horses because they're brand new to the league. <laughs> All right. Well, Richie, as I mentioned, I think right off the top, you've done a lot of Big West games, Mountain West, West Coast Conference, just kind of taking the tour of the western half of the U.S. Um, you started that whole run of being an analyst, being a college basketball broadcaster, I believe in 2013, uh, if, if I'm not mistaken. And that almost was right when the University of Hawaii came into the Big West Conference, so maybe a year, year removed, but uh, – it's been fun to watch you and, and Trent Rush do your broadcast together, you know, basically on all the mainland big, mainland big West sites. Unfortunately, I don't think you guys have done a game out here at the Stan Sheriff Center yet. Maybe uh, check it off the um, bucket list someday. But <laughs> when you think back to that time, you know, those early Big West Productions days and, and just getting your broadcast legs under you, finding your voice, um, thinking back to those humble beginnings, you know, what is that kind of uh, – what stri strikes you now or what stands out to you now seven, eight years removed? Just from the beginning to the end, like from, from my standpoint or from the league standpoint? Yeah, I mean, you, you um, finding your footing there with those Big West Productions crews because I think yeah. it was just starting as a thing at that time, right? Yeah, for me personally, it was, it was a godsend, man. I mean, it's – it's, uh, it's, it's unbelievable just from, you know how this is, being in the media world. 
I mean, there's a lot of people that are capable of doing jobs, especially maybe in the broadcasting side of things. It's just one person's got to give them a chance. You know what I mean? Like it's such a subjective industry that if you, um, you know, if 95 people hate you, but that one person loves you and that person makes decisions, you got a job. And, and that's for me, it was, I was, when I came out here, I came from North Carolina uh, where I was a year removed from coaching. I did some radio and I wanted to get in broadcasting. And I'm like, I'm in LA, let's try this. And I begged people and I begged people and I gave up. It was early December. And then Andrew Leahy, who was the producer at that time, who created the whole Big West production truck, and, and he's big time responsible for all that. He worked together with Steve Chen. Um, he called me and gave me the opportunity, and it was awesome. And so now that, that him giving me the opportunity to do analyst games for the Big West allowed more people to see me and give me more opportunity. So you talk about getting broadcasting legs. I mean, Trent and I had basically grown up together in this industry, but I'm like 15, 20 years older than him, you know, <laughs> but we, we're like brothers. And, uh, you know, he's killing it now working with the Anaheim angels, sorry, the LA angels. They change their name every three years. I can't keep up, but, um, it's just fun to see. We've seen the big West grow in popularity a lot because the TV trucks have helped that we've given more exposure uh, a little bit. Uh, but at the same time, it's cool to see it go up and down with, you know, it used to be a very guard heavy league. Now we're going to this season and we got all these great post players, uh, to watch and all these different teams. So. Uh, it's just neat to see. And then a lot of people with the production truck, they've moved on to bigger and better things and, and working for, you know, in Bristol Connecticut for ESPN or the Oklahoma City Thunder and different things like that. It's pretty cool to see. You know, of course, me not traveling to those Big West games until conference tournament time as the beat writer uh, at the Star Advertiser, I was relying on on those uh, Big West productions broadcast to, you know, cover those games remotely in a lot of cases. Um, social media updates and the breaking news and all that stuff. I'd be be watching you guys and I think if memory serves it was a game at the Matadome at Cal State Northridge I don't know if it was the first game for you and Trent as a team together it had to be one of the first games at least it was the first time I think I saw you guys and I'm like who the heck are these guys and <laughs> and you know, man it, it was humble beginnings but just to see the the production just kind of continue to, to grow and improve and you guys finding your voice and working off each other so well. And, and that takes me to the next thing I wanted to ask you, Richie, which is you've truly developed this, this fun, loving, entertaining, irreverent style to not only your, your calls of the games, but you do these comedic bits alongside the, as part of the broadcast, as part of the pregame, a lot of times you'll like get into the student sections of like some of these mountain West schools, I think air force, Nevada, Colorado State you, you like work your way in there Utah State goof around with the students you've done crowd surfing you've done like 90s mullet wig night you've, you've <laughs> you done all, like ugly sweater <laughs> night at Utah State uh yeah. it's pretty hilarious and I just kind of was curious like how did that come about like is this just an extension of your personality like what where did this come from uh you know that's <laughs> you put a smile on my face because this stuff is making me laugh it's fun. You know, I, I, let me back up and tell you, I mean, first of all, I, not everybody that's watching a college basketball game doesn't necessarily like college basketball or like basketball. So if you can do something to keep the audience engaged, well, they might stick around and watch the game some more. So ESPN likes that. It helps their ratings, especially West coast games when most of the country's asleep. It's prime time for you. It's nine o'clock out here, but on the East coast it's midnight. 
you know, and, and so that's where most of the population is. So just so you understand, I was a, uh, I was a walk-on in college and it's amazing. I was a senior year walk-on. I wasn't a good player. I was a, I was probably a solid division two player, but I walked on as a senior. So I had three years of college to goof off and the fraternity, I was in a college fraternity and my fraternity would do the most ridiculous uh, student section get ups like every other game. And I remember one time I was on national TV because I had this like basketball outfit from like the 1970s, like the shorts. It was like a middle school basketball uniform and the shorts were like halfway up your, your thigh. And, uh, and, and, you know, we thought it was so cool. I made ESPN and I never thought one day I'd be calling games on ESPN, acting like a goofball in the same student sections. And, but I just think for me, it's, I mean, it's just fun. I just, I don't know. I, I, if I wasn't in coaching, I'd probably be in comedy. I just enjoy it. It's fun. I like to engage people and I think it makes it more fun for the players or the uh, students in the student section too. No doubt about it, man. It's, um, <laughs> I had a good time, you know, in preparation for talking to you going back because I, I have, I had seen, you know, just consuming college basketball, uh, some of those late night games, seeing you on the call and, and seeing some of those antics, and just kind of sitting back in my, on my couch and laughing. I had a good time going back and, <laughs> and viewing some of those one after the next. It's quite a collection you've compiled, my friend. There's, Thanks, man. <laughs> if anyone's curious, go to uh, – Richie has his own website. I, is it richieshuler.com? And, and there's That's like it. a yeah. compilation of almost all of them. It's, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> I um, actually had a guy – there was a guy who just put together a video for me with all, a lot of that stuff that you're talking about. And I'm deciding if I want to put it out there or not. But now you might have motivated me because if you're enjoying it, then everybody will enjoy it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, can't, I, I don't know who wouldn't. I mean, come on. If you can't enjoy that, you take yourself way too seriously. <laughs> exactly. You've got to have a little fun, man. We, my, my philosophy always is when I'm doing these games, if we ain't having fun, why are we doing it? Like, if we're not going to have a little comedy and have a good time, then why are we sitting here being so serious about college basketball? Let's have fun. Let's have a good time. All right, now, now there's one I just remembered that really made me laugh. And I want to say it was a couple years ago. It was for a Big West game. It might have also been at the Matadome, either that or Cal State Fullerton. The, whatever pregame thing you filmed was you just, lo like, losing your mind, like, losing, like, you were furious about something and, like, storming off and, like, slamming the arena door. Do you remember what I'm talking about? It was Valentine's Day this past year. That was Valentine's. The last three seasons, we've done a Valentine's Day bit. And uh, the, the bit is always that I'm like this uh, kind of like a, a player, and I'm asking all these ladies to be my Valentine. And then, like, Courtney Sweet or Trent Rush bust me. There's always, like, this joke to it, right? We don't use the word player, but you get the mentality. But this past year, I didn't have a Valentine. And so I was angry because I didn't have a Valentine on Valentine's Day. And they had me reach into a cooler and, and take out this bunny choc chocolate bunny and smash it over my knee. That's right. And we only had one shot to do it, one shot. And we practiced it without it. But when we recorded, it was amazing because the parts and the chocolate pieces went everywhere. It was, it was like a rain of chocolate. And then they had me take this bunny out of this girl's arms and kick it across the matadome. That was my favorite part. That but was yeah, it's just, they're just fun bits that we do. <laughs> Perfect. Um, Richie, I know, like we said, I don't think you've been on a call because, you know, the, that Big West Productions truck, it, it roves from one Big West site to the next uh, over there in California. It's not like it could drive out here to the University yeah. of Hawaii for a game. Uh, yeah. If and when you get to call a game at the Stan Sheriff Center, 
Maybe it could be a Diamond Head Classic game on ESPN one of these days, something along those lines. What would you want to do as like your antic or your bit for being here in Hawaii doing a game at the, at the Sheriff? So when I think of the Stan Sheriff Center, I think of my old buddy, Jamie Smith. Remember Jamie Smith that was on the coaching staff? Everyone remembers Jamie Smith. Yes. Same nights. So, <laughs> I knew Jamie when we were coaching. We were both coaching in North Carolina. And then didn't see each other for years and bumped into him when he was at Hawaii. And he's like, I know you. And I'm like, I know you too. And here we are. We reconnected and became buddies. And we did a little feature on him about the time he did the stuff in the student section with the minion glasses, uh, which I think you told me it didn't go very well because it's the same color as Long Beach colors, the game you were toning you were yep. playing that day. Yep. <laughs> Unfortunate timing on that one. <laughs> Superhero nights. I've seen all the footage. But it's almost impossible to know exactly what I would do if it's going to be something like the Diamond Head Classic because it's not going to be just strictly people from Hawaii. It's going to be people from all over the place. So we'd have to – that one would be hard. But if it was something in Hawaii against – I mean, like a Hawaii Rainbow Warriors game, I would definitely have to find something Hawaii-related. I'd probably do some hula dancing or something. Have you surfed before? I tried to surf once. I No. Not very well. I've crowd surfed, but not in, not in the water. <laughs> yeah. no. You have yes. Uh, well, I, I'm just saying that could be a possibility for you to to reenact or, or you know bring back if if and when it came to that. You don't think hula dancing would go very well? Um, that actually might be. I mean, just thematically, it might go with some of the the stuff you've done previously. So <laughs> that that could work. It could work. Um, That's yeah. funny, man. <laughs> Well, Rich, Richie, I know you got to uh, get on with, you know, your, your duties and responsibilities here. I, I guess I got one last question for you. Still on the University of Hawaii basketball team. As we said, they're picked fourth this year. They've been kind of, you know, a eight and eight mode. Uh, there was one year where they were nine and seven in the last few years here, but more or less a 500 team in the Big West, which, you know, coming off that NCAA tournament breakthrough year has kind of been a little bit of a contrast. Um, so they, they've really settled into this mode. As we said this year, they had a lot of turnover, some D1 transfers, some clear talent infused into the program, which I think has maybe been something they've lacked compared to, say, a UC Irvine or UC Santa Barbara over the last few years. In your opinion, Richie, you know, your analysis, what you've seen, what would it take for Hawaii to crack into that regular mode of contention of the Big West a la an Irvine uh, based on what they have what their schemes are. As you said, Coach Gannat has some, some great schemes that opponents have to prepare for. Yeah, it's really hard to answer. I mean, I, I think when you look at Hawaii's talent across the board every season, I, I would think they're probably in the top four of the conference, top five every year, which is the upper top half. Top half, of the yeah, that, right around yeah. there, I would say is fair. And I think, honestly, um, you know, Hawaii is beautiful. We all know that. You live there, so it's whatever. It's home. But most people love going to Hawaii. On vacation, I don't know if a lot of people want to go there and be away from their families for nine months out of the year, you know, and that's where I think it's hard to recruit to Hawaii in that sense. Like, I think for a lot of people, like, think about somebody coming from Florida or Ohio or, you know, Rhode Island, the eastern half of the United States. Do they really not want to have a chance for their mom and dad to see them play live? Do they don't really not want to be able to go home for Thanksgiving on a short break like that? That's where I think it becomes a recruiting disadvantage in some ways, unfortunately, because some parents are like, no, 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 you need to go somewhere three hours away, not, not an eight hour flight away. And I think that's where I think 
the coaching staffs have a difficult time because they're, I'm sure they're recruiting all the same guys, but they're not always getting a yes answer because it's, it's less convenient for families to see them. And some kids get homesick and some kids want to be in the limelight. You know, they want to be on sports center all the time and that kind of thing. So uh, sadly, I think that plays a major part and I'm not sure coaching staff can do anything about that. Um, they've had great players and, and Drew Bugs is a major loss. I think Drew Bugs, maybe a top three player in the league if he stays. Mm. That's your chance to shine. This is their chance this year. And Drew decided to make a decision. And, you know, you can't blame him, but it's completely uh, – it's very disappointing for everybody involved with the Big West because we all wanted to see him play. So, I don't know if that's the answer you wanted, but that's the answer. Richie, I can't, I can't let it end on, on, on that kind of depressing note. i got to bring it back <laughs> yeah. up uh, for one moment here. You know, what, who, who are maybe a couple guys in the Big West that are not name guys yet, you know, maybe, maybe a couple up-and-comers here. Uh, that you think people could at least pay attention to or keep it, keep a, you know, on the radar an eye out for. Yeah. You know, I, I think who I said earlier um, for uh, CSU Bakersfield, those two guys, Taysmore and DeMonte Buckingham, nobody really knows anything about them. Uh, you know, another guy, some other guys that aren't on the list. I, I think you got to look at UC Davis. Elijah Pepper is, is a player that, uh, plays kind of that guard spot, maybe sometimes slides over a little bit. But, I mean, he's solid. He'll be a double-digit scorer this year for UC Davis. I mean, he'll be important for them. Um, Caleb Fuller is another guy that I think uh, who had a great end of the year, was shooting lights out at the end of the season for UC Davis. I think he's going to be huge for them. Uh, we already talked about Hawaii quite a bit and UC San Diego. Long Beach State had lost a huge player. They're 6'10 guy that went to USC, but they've got some players, you know, Chance Hunter, uh, Ramo Man uh, Romel Manzel, if I'm saying his name properly, Michael Carter III. You know, these are some good players. Um, but, I mean, I could go on and on. I mean, I, I think UC Riverside has some guys, too, that's going to be pretty good. George Wilbon and Dominic Pickett and things that aren't on the preseason list. But, yeah, we have some talent in the league, and only so many of them can get recognized as all-conference players in the beginning of the year. Well, Richie Schuler, thanks so much for making some of your time available for, for that conversation about the Big West, about Hawaii, college basketball in general. It's a lot to talk about. It's going to be a lot more to digest and see what happens, even probably by this time Wednesday when it's supposed to start up. So uh, who knows what's going to happen, but, but thanks so much. And best of luck calling whatever games you get, whether it's on site or in your living room. You're very welcome, and I appreciate you doing this. I appreciate you bringing more attention to whole uh, Big West basketball and, of course, Hawaii basketball. And, man, I hope to see you on some sidelines more uh, here soon, man. All right, Richie. Take care. All right. You too, brother. Okay.